Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times with your hosts, Matthew Werner and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, here to help you stare down adversity, adapt, improvise, and overcome the challenges you are facing in your own life. Now, here are Dr. Kathy and Captain Matthew. Welcome, everybody, to Strategies for Turbulent Times, sponsored by the National Command and Staff College and MagnusWorks.com. Hello, Matthew. How are you doing? It's Friday, everybody, and uh, yeah, I hope everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Uh, it's uh, a little bit overcast out here in Florida, but you know what? It's nice to be back down in Florida after spending uh, a beautiful wintry bliss up in Philly this week. <laughs> That was wintry bliss all day. We got five inches of snow, and uh, my my little granddaughter, who is eight years old, so excited. Of course, she's off to school. She races upstairs to our room at 7.30 in the morning. It's gee, let's go play in the snow. So she rolls out of bed, puts on her winter tights and sweater, runs outside, and we were outside for an hour playing at the playground. It was absolutely bliss. I have to say, that part of it was bliss. Waiting for the snow to be cleared was not so much fun, but we're glad we made it back. Hope you all are having an amazing Friday and looking forward to your weekend. You know, today we're going to be talking to one of my favorite people, and uh, I, I cannot speak highly enough of Mark Slagle, who you're going to get to meet today uh, on our show. And, and it's so funny, you know, whenever I find these great uh, American, uh, I'll call them uh, battle-tested freedom fighters, whether they're law enforcement or warriors in the military, they always say the same thing. I don't like to talk about myself. So Matt's got this one covered because he's gotten to know Mark a little bit as well. But let me tell you a little bit about about Mark, whether he's going to talk about himself or not. We're going to pull it out of him. Every word, we're going to just pull it out of him. We're going to talk to Mark today uh, about his amazing career. He is a former L.A. sheriff, SWAT uh, leader. Uh, he is a celebrity trainer, and uh, in my eyes, and I'm sure in many other eyes, a tactical guru. He teaches and has taught for years and years at every national tactical officers association uh, over a decade. And uh, he is a distinguished law enforcement professional with 31 years in Los Angeles County. His service uh, is just a record that I cannot, uh, I, I just can't go through it all on the air. We probably take up the whole time. But in addition to his extensive operational experience, Mark is an accomplished educator, having trained well over 10,000 law enforcement professionals across the United States and abroad for more than 20 years. His commitment to sharing both the wins and the challenges uh, has, last, has left a lasting impact on law enforcement professionals, and many of his students are carrying his work forward. Mark's journey spans diverse roles from patrol to SWAT, culminating in his retirement as a team sergeant for major crime. His legacy is characterized by tireless service leadership and a lasting impact on the communities where he and his fellow officers have served. And beyond law enforcement education, Mark has applied his expertise as a consultant 
in the film and television industry, contributing to various projects to lend authenticity and dedication to each and every program he's appeared in. Mark's up. He's just an amazing guy. Uh, his life and career exemplify a steadfast commitment to justice, community safety, and mentorship for the next generation of law enforcement professionals. He's married to a beautiful, beautiful lady, and he has beautiful children. And we'll let talk more about himself as uh, we pull each and every word out of him. Mark, welcome to the show. <laughs> you know, Kathy, I'm I'm sitting back listening to uh, to the introduction, and uh, you know, it's I'm wondering who you're talking about. But but listen, uh, it's an honor to be on with you guys, and um, you know, my career and 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 my journey is is not unlike a lot of folks. Um, you know, I I was blessed with uh, with, with tremendous opportunities along the way. And um, so, you know, you know, Matt and I did talk yesterday about uh, you're trying to pull some stuff out of me, uh, and hopefully we'll get there. But, uh, but again, it, it's it's an honor to to have an opportunity to spend time with you guys, and and hopefully, um, you know, discuss some lessons learned along the way in, in 31 years that I spent in law enforcement, and uh, you know, in, in today's day and age, uh, you know, hopefully. Uh, we can we can capture some of the some of the issues that are you know facing some of our uh, our law enforcement community uh, you know such as leadership and some of those other things are I think lacking uh, in, in my opinion with respect to uh, you know current times. So thanks so much for having me and you know let's let's get after it. Well, I tell you what, Mark, uh, it was a great uh, conversation that we had yesterday, and uh, you know, appreciate you, you know, coming on the show here. Uh, just as we like to do, just share with the audience. Um, do you mind sharing um, with everybody, like how did how did you get into the law enforcement, and then you know, uh, what were you thinking growing up? Uh, what was your what was your life like getting into your career? <clears throat> you know. Um, you know my my law enforcement or my my pipeline into into law enforcement was was oddly enough is something that that I always knew that I was going to to get into um, you know the lack of a better way to put it, it you know Matt it it was truly a calling for me and, and there was a lot of there was a number of things that I think influenced that in my life uh, specifically you know growing up. Uh, you know, without a father, uh, with uh, a mother that was struggling with with drug addiction, and and you know, during those times, fighting her own demons. But you know, I was fortunate enough to to be raised uh, by a woman that uh, that took myself and, and my sisters in, and really gave us an opportunity um, to uh, you know to have a chance so to speak. And, and that was my grandmother. So she was kind of that, that mentor and leader in my life. Um, but, but these, the struggles that we had as, as, you know, children, uh, it really kind of defined who I was. And, and along the way, um, you know, without getting too graphic, uh, you know, we were living in, in an environment that was, you know, abusive, uh, there was a lot of neglect going on. And, and like I had mentioned, my, my mother was, was not in a good way and she was facing her own demons. Um, 
And there was often times where, you know, the cops would show up to our house and, you know, and eventually uh, I I looked at those, those officers that, that intervened uh, during different times in my life. And, And I remember being removed from, from, you know, my household as a child, uh, you know, the cops showing up and, and, and taking us away. And ultimately my grandmother fighting for us, uh, in court and, and getting custody of us. But in terms of, of, uh, that field, uh, you know, quite frankly, Matt, to, to answer your question, I've always felt this, the sense of service or, or the, the need or the the willingness to to protect people uh, all the way uh, you know to the school bully back in the day, and I just was you know not that I was a tough guy or I was um, you know looking for for trouble, but but I just wasn't the kind of guy that was going to to allow uh, you know people to uh, to abuse or or to to bully, um, you know, other people or, or other kids in school. And, and that's just, I, I just think that that's what I was put on the earth to do, to be honest with you. You know, Mark, over the years, um, you have been my go-to person for a lot of, uh, of tactical questions. You kind of raised me inside of, you know, your own, uh, programs. You were the first person uh, that took me in and, you know, actually gave me the mental, um, the mindset necessary to understand uh, a working warrior, whether they were uh, at, uh, you know, at maybe special warfare or whether it was in SWAT. And I remember you and I sitting around a table uh, at, at uh, maybe special warfare uh, as advisors invited in to sit at the table to talk about what would the character trait be of a uh, a female member uh, of a uh, you know a, a seal uh, community, and I don't know if you remember that, but um, we were there with a a group of captains and human resources professional from maybe special warfare and. Um, and you told the story that has stuck with me for a very long time about how you were one of the first people to bring women into the SWAT community uh, and what happened during, uh, during that time. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. You know, what you're referencing, Kathy, is, you know, without getting over my skis a little bit, you know, the conversation was really about, uh, you know, women in special operations, uh, you know, during that time, I, I believe the military was, was looking into that. And, and, you know, I think my, you know, I guess what I was asked to do is, was talk about, you know, women and SWAT and, and how that came about. But, but the way that I looked at it and, and the way that I look at it today is, as far as that particular job is concerned, it's it's really not about gender. Um, the, the things that we're doing in that business uh, is really about problem solving and and, and leadership and, and and those kinds of things. Uh, and it took me it took me a while, 
to understand that the vast majority of things that we do in, in law enforcement are not physical in nature. You know, I, I think we get caught up on um, the idea that, uh, you know, SWAT is about the, the physicality. It, it's the uniform. It's the, it's the kit. It's the weapon system and all that. And, uh, you know, we had a, the first email that, that came to the LA Sheriff SWAT team was, was phenomenal. Uh, she was an individual that, uh, that I would want on my team. And, and it, so it wasn't really about gender as far as I was concerned. It was really about, uh, was she as a, a street cop, a deputy sheriff, was she capable of, of performing, uh, you know, her duties and, and, and really just keep up with the rest of the pack in, in a male dominated world. And, and, and in my opinion, this girl excelled at that. And she was somebody that I would, you know, quite frankly, want in my foxhole, if you understand that, that concept. So. Yeah, that that's exactly what I remember. And I, um, you know, I've always respected and admired your position on that because, that was at a time when there weren't as many women stepping up to be in those roles, in those tactical roles. And now we see with what's going on in law enforcement, many communities are appealing to a, uh, a female officer and bringing them in to mentoring programs and getting them inside the wire, if you will, before they even join uh, the, uh, the academy. And it's really paying off because if you look at a lot of the skills, as you just described, problem solving and relationships, uh, you know, we, we know that a lot of those skills uh, are, um, are things that we, as, as women, bring to the table often given our roles uh, in, in history and given our roles where we are now uh, in community and in corporate America. So um, well said. And I, I just remember all the things you've done for me in my career over the years. You introduced me to uh, Larry Barrasnoy and the TAC Ops community and got me embedded there when I was doing research on Fearless Leaders, our book in 2015. Um, you have helped us build out the 10 modules that we are going to be delivering in 2024 as part of our uh, coach certification for law enforcement. Uh, we're going to do our first class actually launching in March, March 7th, and uh, it's going to be an eight-week, half-day intensive. Uh, we'd love for you to pop in uh, during that time and, and give us some of your insights on how you've looked at emotional intelligence over the years. Um, why don't you give us a little bit of background and why you thought that would even be a, you know, a good subject to bring into something like Pack Up? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny, Kathy, you know, you're mentioning things that uh, that you, you know, you said that I did for you, but but in, in reality is, is you introduced me to a whole different world when it comes to uh, – emotional intelligence. And it wasn't like, uh, these, I wasn't using these things, so to speak, but, but one of the things that, that I think law enforcement lacks and, and I, and I didn't at the time, to be honest with you, 
think that, you know, bringing in these type of programs into law enforcement was going to land with them. Um, but I think times have changed. You know, we, we, we have to start thinking about uh, our behavior, right? How do we not only deal with people on the street? Because one of the things that they, they don't prepare you for in the academy, uh, because a lot of it is procedural in nature, but the reality is when you get out on the street uh, and you're working in, it doesn't really matter what environment you're working in. And, and some environments are, are more stressful than others because they're, they're high risk, so to speak. But, but your ability to, to, to manage and, and communicate effectively and recognize uh, emotions in, in other people, but also yourself was something that, you know, we, we didn't learn, or quite frankly, you know, emotions were something that, you know, we didn't talk about in the business, so to speak. And I know that Matt understands that side of it too, but, but, you know, if we, if we can have a more well-balanced professional working in law enforcement that, that understands not only the, the, the the physical side of things, the, the mental preparation that, that, there needs to be a balance uh, of this kind of warrior ethos that we're talking about because at the bottom, at, at the end of it, we're here to provide, you know, public safety and safety and security is, 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 is vital. Um, but, but having, having, having the ability to, to uh, understand and manage uh, your emotions and, and, and allow that process to really kind of develop you overall and more of a well-rounded, uh, you know, professional in law enforcement is, is key. So I, I thought that the, at the time when we were talking about some of these things that the law enforcement wasn't ready, but I think that we are now, I mean, we've been through some, some real, really turbulent times over the last couple of years. And there's, there was there, there's a lot of room for for us to improve, and I think that that is a, a piece that that I think that we really need to start leaning into uh, as far as emotional intelligence. Very well said, Mark. And uh, you know, I love the angle that you're com- that you're bringing to the show. Um, we're going to take a quick break here, and uh, we are just having. I just really truly enjoy uh, your comments, especially when it comes to emotional intelligence and transitions inside of an organization. So uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes, and uh, thank you for uh, being on uh, Strategies for Turbulent Times. We'll be back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X.com. 
How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times, sponsored by the National Spanish Staff College and Magnus Works. We are having an intriguing and engaging conversation with Mark Schlegel, uh, former L.A. Sheriff SWAT, celebrity trainer, and uh, one of my tactical gurus. I'm sure many of you who are listening who know Mark would agree. You know, when we went to break, uh, we were talking about why law enforcement wasn't quite ready for the use of emotional fitness tools like an emotional intelligence assessment, but how things have changed so dramatically in the past few years that they are definitely in that frame of mind. And I guess where I want to take this, um, as we do in most of our shows, is just tell us a little bit uh, about a time when you had planned to the degree you could for a mission, for an op, and you get into the op, and now that you know so much about yourself and you look back on yourself and your team, what, what happened that almost kind of derailed you and the mission that you were able to kind of, if you will, recover from quickly or created a learning from that experience that you've taken with you. <laughs> so this is really where the rub is, right? Where are you trying to squeeze juice out of this turnip uh, with with a story, Kathy? Uh, and, and I'm kidding. Uh, I'm making lighthearted of it. But, you know, quite frankly, uh, you know, these questions come up and you, you, you sit back uh, in, in reflection of your career and you, you try to pinpoint certain events. But, but for me, uh, and this isn't a dodge of the question, but I but I like to attack. Uh, I, I prefer to attack it from a different angle. You know, for me, 
uh, in, in my growth, uh, you know, really as a leader, so to speak, you know, it, it's been snapshot of events along the way um, that that I look at and and try to pull out the lessons learned and and really uh, do a deep dive self evaluation uh, of of how I operated and, and the things that were important to me and. And a lot of the stuff that we do, again, um, you know, whether the, the incident it, it has a positive outcome or, you know, it, it worked out exactly how you planned, um, the, the lessons are always in, in uh, you know, the things that typically don't go as planned. But, but you know, during the early 2000s, I, I went to the SWAT team, um, the sheriff's SWAT team back in 1999, and you know it was it was at that time for me. Uh, I was 31. I was the youngest person in the door. Yeah, I think the average age was was 43. It was a, it's it's a program that's been in existence for uh, a long time, as you know, the history of that that particular unit, the Special Enforcement Bureau, and you know as a young tactician uh, or you know. A leader, because I think everybody that that is in those positions should consider themselves uh, in a leadership position, whether the, they carry rank or not. It, it really doesn't matter. But but in the early 2000s, we had a number of events um, in, in our organization where we had uh, several deputies murdered, and I, I use the term murdered because I think it's important to to draw the distinction between. Uh, you know, law enforcement officers who killed in the line of duty, uh, you know, in, in a vehicle crash versus uh, being murdered. It, it, it's very different. And, you know, during that time, I had been in the building a couple of years and and I was in somewhat of a, a junior leadership role uh, within my team. At least I had a voice, so to speak. And I remember a particular operation uh, or you know, you get into a pattern of practice uh, on a team where, you know, you're, the op tempo's high. I mean, you're running uh, a lot of warrants, and you get used to kind of a, a rigid format on how you operate. And, and you know, we had, a, we had a suspect, one of these suspects who had murdered one of our, our deputies, and, and we had a... a a warrant service operation to go out and, and apprehend this individual. And, and this story is, is, is not overly sexy, but what I will tell you is that um, what ultimately happened was when we started to put our plan together and, and then finally execute it, uh, in my opinion, marks only, and, and, and this isn't a knock on the other people involved because I take as much responsibility because I, I feel like I did have a voice at that time. Uh, you know, you get used to putting these together and, and, and really buttoning them up time and, you know, tight. And in that process, we lost sight of, of, of time. So we had an individual that was in a house that we had hard intel and there was a surveillance package that had put this person in the house. And like I said, this he was wanted for the murder of a deputy sheriff. And in our planning phase and in our execution phase, um, we lost sight of a few things. And, and one of the critical things that we lost sight of is, is time management. 
and also some details along the way. And so, you know, what is the point that I'm trying to drive home? It was, it was a, a turning point in my career as a young leader or tactician to, to really kind of step back and look at how I looked at this business because initially not really knowing a lot about SWAT and I wasn't a gun guy. I was really focused on the physical aspects of it. And, and in hindsight and what it did for me, uh, you know, we, we ended up losing that suspect. He got away and we didn't execute the plan in a timely manner, in my opinion, but, but really it gave me an opportunity to go back and, and look at, at how we solve problems and, and really kind of in crisis understand, you know, a couple of things. Uh, what's important now? We, we got used to spending uh, really an enormous amount of time putting this plan together, but the, it was late and being executed. So, you know, what I learned from that event and, and some of these other events relative to what your, your question is, is that, is that I started to look at this business in terms of problem solving very differently. And, uh, you know, in hindsight, we made a lot of mistakes that, that we really started to change and, and, and really it was about deployment process and, and, and really getting into a little bit more detail and making sure people understood what the mission was because there was a lot of finger pointing when that suspect, you know, was, was, you know, got away, so to speak. And at the end of the day, what I realized is that, you know, as a leader, uh, we need to take ownership of that. And we needed to make sure that, that in our planning phase, uh, when things don't go right, you know, we have to make sure that we have these contingencies built in and, and be less rigid in the way that we went about solving some of these problems and, and, and be more flexible. Um, I don't really know if that's the answer you were looking for, but, but it was an opportunity for me to, to, to reflect on how I looked at, you know, problem solving. You know, Mark, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know, we had a good conversation yesterday. Um, you know, about something similar to this. And, you know, I shared with you, and I'll share with the audience here, you know, at uh, at a time of my career, about, about 13 to 15 years in, I was a senior leader uh, at Development Group, and my commanding officer um, would, was such a, was such a thorn in all of us, uh, us leaders' side, um, about contingency. And, you know, you have 13, 15 years in, you're at the tip of the spear, um, you know, senior leader, you got all this experience from sea, air, and land, operationally throughout the globe, and you feel like you, uh, you know, even though we're, we're humble, we don't, you know, think that we know everything, but we feel that we're, you know, the organization's confident in us being leaders, and now all of a sudden I got a senior leader that's, uh, bringing up all these contingencies. And I like that you bring that up, you know, when you're talking about, you know, the rigidity of planning and sometimes getting away of being a fluid planner, but also when you have a great leader that's going to ask you the hard questions um, and the contingency plans. I mean, you could 
I, I vividly recall, I mean, I come up with like, okay, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty, uh, you know, uh, regular guy, but it's when I talk about planning, it's like, okay, how many contingencies can we think about? Okay, we'll come up with like 10 contingencies. And then he's, you know, the boss is like, okay, well, what about this? What about that? And like, why didn't I think of that? And then he starts bringing up some whiz bank stuff and you're like, that's not going to happen. And if it does, we will figure it out on the edge. Um, but just having a great leader, like you're talking about, to bring that stuff up. And, uh, you know, when we're talking about debriefs and after action reports, um, just being honest with each other on it wasn't the greatest exercise, greatest operation I've ever been on. You know, I've been through too many of those debriefs um, to see the mentality of, uh, you know, experts and, and operators. Um, but just being, you know, honest with ourselves and we could always fix things and how do we uh, grow if we never think that we have to fix those. And I think that, you know, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think, you know, when you were part of an instrumental with bringing, you know, females in the SWAT, I think that mindset off, you know, helps as well with your experience because knowing that we don't know everything and you know what, it can always be better. And, uh, you know, having an open mind to other angles of thought, um, I think that that probably helped you out with that too, my man. Yeah. You know, uh, just, uh, just so, you know, we're, we're being honest about certain things, uh, not honest, but just, just a little bit of correction. You know, I, I don't know that I had an impact bringing in, uh, you know, a female into to SWAT, you know, quite frankly, during those times. Um, you know, there was a mandate, quite quite honest, to to bring in more uh, females into coveted positions. And, and, and what's, what's interesting about SWAT is, you know, again, it, it wasn't really so much about gender, but there wasn't a whole lot of women that wanted to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning uh, and, and just head out the door. Or, or get up, you know, it was a full, it, it's a full-time team over there with the sheriff's department and the op temp is, is extremely high. Uh, so I want to just make a clarification, but in, in terms of my, I, I guess, my thought, uh, I just, you know, with regards to Kathy's comments about our conversation about this particular woman at the time that we were speaking to some of your colleagues, you know, I was just trying to make uh make it clear to them that, that the question for me wasn't about gender. It was really about what's going on between the years and whether this was a person that was competent that could, could, uh, you know, provide uh, value to the team. But, but I wanted to, to pick up a little bit about what you're talking about and kind of just maybe tie in that story a little bit more, you know, I really, it was an opportunity too back then, you know, because when you get to a unit like, like uh, you know, some of the, the groups that you've worked with, Matt, or and a unit like SCB, there's a tradition, there's a history, uh, a way of doing business. And, and a lot of times, younger younger members won't question it. But, but I was a little bit different. I, I wanted to know why. I really, truly wanted to know why we were doing what we were doing, when we were doing it. And I was really curious about what other people were doing. And so understanding the why for me uh, really changed my mindset. You know, why, why, did we, why didn't we lock down that location because we knew that they were inside? Why didn't we get with that surveillance package? And because when, when, the, when the call came in and we were given the mission, you know, 
it was ours. You know, we had a responsibility to take that person into custody. And so, you know, sometimes we have to operate unconventional and it may not be, hey, let's plan this warrant, let's do our work up, build in our contingencies. It, it might be as simple as let's have patrol walk down that location and we arrive. When we arrive, we're going to go into, you know, a barricade posture rather than treating it like, uh, you know, a, a standard warrant service operation. But but for the most part, uh, a lot of a lot of these, these things that we're talking about that's going to help a lot of it, these these young people make critical decisions or timely decisions or decisions that they can feel confident in making is is understanding why they're doing what they're doing. And and quite frankly, a lot of people don't understand or or they have uh, they struggle with the ability to articulate it. So, you know, Mark, as you're talking about uh, the conventional versus you know unconventional approach uh, to tack up and your role on the Special Enforcement Bureau, I think um, you'd be happy to know that one of the things that we'll be doing uh, at the upcoming tack ops in this year, the conferences, is uh, I'm actually teaming with a guy by the name of Jay Wadsworth from Effective Combative. And we're going to be giving every person in his class uh, an EQI report customized for them before they get on the mat, before they get into training to give them insight, right, into how they may respond to stress or how may they respond or how they may respond to their own impulse control. So, you know, we are, we are making inroads and, and a lot of that has to do with, uh, with your leading the way. So don't, don't deflect that too much. We're going to be right back. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X.com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. 
That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. And if I haven't said it during the show, you know I love y'all. Matt loves y'all. And we're here to give you all the love you need and some information along with it. I call it infotainment. And, you know, it's hard to, to get somebody's distinguished career spanning 31 years in a, you know, 55-minute podcast. But, you know, Mark, you've shared some really great insight uh, on being a, a tactical leader uh, for a long time. I'd like to jump into uh, a little bit of your, uh, you know, your celebrity life. And I know you don't like to, to call it that, but, you know, a lot of people don't know that what it what it really takes for these actors and, and actresses to look like they know what they're doing when they're in an action movie, uh, whether it's, you know, being a military character or being a character in a gang or being a character in law enforcement, you know, it takes people like you uh, and colleagues that you've worked with for many years to get them into a mindset and a physicality to be able to look like they are doing what y'all really do out there in the real world, whether it's you in law enforcement or Matthew uh, in the teams. Can you talk a little bit about how you got into that and, and what's it like when you're out there trying to train people uh, like Brad Pitt and Fury? I think uh, John Brunthal was part of that team as well. Um, and, you know, you've, you've worked with some top names in the industry, uh, teaching them how to, you know, how to do what you guys do in the real world and look like they've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd be happy to, to talk about it. Um, you know, full disclosure, um, you know, the, the word celebrity is, is kind of chuckling to me, uh, you know, I, the the people that I've met in in, in some of these uh, projects that I've I've had the opportunity to work on, uh, really great people. Um, but 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 ultimately, what happened uh, is back in 2012, I got a phone call from uh, from a director, uh, David Ayer, who was writing uh, a movie called End of Watch, and. Um, he he asked me to uh, to take a look at it and and I was hesitant. I I really didn't uh, have any desire or, or interest in 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 getting into that that space or Hollywood. It just wasn't on my radar. I, I had other things I was doing, but but I, I you know this was uh, this was a person that was very supportive of law enforcement and uh, I, I knew that that he had my best interest in mind. And and would would give me an opportunity to you know tell him uh, you know what I thought, and it wasn't really 
so much about going through the script and telling him this is real, that wasn't real, because because he had spent quite a bit of time uh, in and around law enforcement, and had relationships already. Uh, but but he he wanted me to to give him a different look, and so what I ended up doing was was working and, and training uh, the athletes or the the, the uh, actors, you know, during. Uh, you know, pre-production, trying to get them, uh, you know, dialed in for their role. But, but my approach to, to training people, uh, well, it, there was a couple of reasons why I decided to do it. One, I thought it was a really good opportunity to show people in that business uh, or give them an opportunity to spend time with, with law enforcement uh, because we, we know that, uh, you know, those are not always our biggest fans, uh, some of those folks, without getting into politics. Yeah, but it was an opportunity to, to spend time with, with people and, and to learn something about uh, about myself as well. Uh, and so the way that I looked at, uh, or I do when I have an opportunity to work with those people, is it's not so much about teaching them how to shoot the rifle or or uh, the procedural stuff, uh, the, the physical stuff. Uh, what I really wanted them to understand is, is to strip away everything that they had heard about law enforcement, strip away the 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 uh the characterization or what you've seen on TV and and really humanize uh themselves and get to a point in 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 how they're presenting themselves in a way that uh, that the the audience doesn't see the uniform right you know i i really thought it was important to to bring in the human side of of who people are in that business uh you know, when you put on the uniform, you, you don't you don't change who you are, so to speak. You know, the the baggage you bring uh, from home uh, translates, and and how you operate in, in the real world dealing with people. And so, I, for me, it's been a great opportunity to to show them uh, and introduce them to a lot of people along the way that have helped me during these projects and. Uh, getting them out in the field with law enforcement, having them spend time and really having them understand what a unique community this really is, you know, law enforcement and, and the military, although I've never been in the military, but I have a pretty good idea. Uh, that type of community uh, and the, and the family and the, 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 the things that, that, that people will do for each other uh, during the, uh, you know, times of crisis and, and the rallying behind each other. Uh, it, it's a tremendous, uh, it, it's just, a, it's very unique, you know, law enforcement and that community of law enforcement and the way that they take care of each other and, and this brother and sisterhood is unlike really any other profession. And so I really wanted, as I worked through these projects, really wanted them to get a really good sense of who we are as people. Um, and, and I felt that that was important uh, to kind of, if they could do that and, and then do what they do best, uh, wasn't really trying to teach them how to do their business, but really trying to give them a better insight as to, to who we are, less procedural and, and more about the type of uh, human and, and character that, that people bring to this profession. So that's my take on it. You know, uh, I think you hit it on the head there, Mark, and I love your angle. Um, you know, like a lot of us, you know, we don't advertise the nature of our work. 
So when you come in, it's something like what you just described, you know, working with uh, a certain industry, but also whether you're doing a podcast, whether you're speaking at a conference, um, I, I think it's, it's I think it's critical to highlight uh, what you just brought up as far as humanizing, you know, the the occupation. A lot of people, um, and I share the story every once in a while, but you know, it was eye opening to me. Uh, we were actually Cat was coaching um, principals in a certain state here in the U.S. Uh, school of the school districts. And um, I was with her during this um, during this day long coaching um, conference. And afterwards, the superintendent, you know, I'm chatting with the superintendent, and he wells up in tears. And I say, I looked at him, I'm like, Bob, like, are, are you okay? And you know, I'll never forget. He he said, you know what, Matt? He goes, uh, I never thought that people like you were real. And I just looked at him like, kind of like in shock. Here's a superintendent of schools, highly educated, very well respected, and the stuff that you see in the movies, of course, you know, it's, it's, it's not near what it actually takes, but how his thought process was being a, an adult is that he thought that we were just kind of this fictional kind of, um, you know, capability of, you know, an arm of the government to be able to, you know, get rid of the evil in the world. Um, and it was just really eye-opening. And I just looked at him like, Bob, we all bleed red, my man. Um, and the humanizing of your occupation, of my occupation, my past occupation, I think is really critical to get out there. Um, you know, we got all, all kinds of, in all walks of life, you know, putting the badge on, putting the uniform on. And I think it's really critical to get that out there to the populace because what we see depicted in the media and social media, anything, I mean, it's just so negative um, that they want to paint these occupations as. And I, I appreciate you sharing that story about this humanizing, you know, the uniform with Hollywood um, because a lot of these, you know, folks are brainwashed. Um, and maybe they had a bad experience because we're not all perfect and, you know, as you all know, there's not any selection course known to man that can weed out all the poison. Um, you know, people still make it through, um, but, you know, that's just how it, how it works. Um, but, you know, just to humanize the, the uniform, I, lo- I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because I, I think that uh, I, I do feel like a – you know, people like myself, like you, that that are out there in, in the world, uh, trying to develop leaders. I, I, essentially, that's what we're trying to do. And you know, as 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 we go through and and, and work in these different uh, these different spaces and, and have different opportunities, you know, your 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 profession always comes up and. And you know, during my time as a uh, as a law enforcement officer, I always felt that there was a stigma, you know, Matt, and and, and really unjustifiable to some degree. And and so, anytime I had an opportunity to to share um, who the real person is behind the badge and whatnot, uh, that's what I try to do. And and and, and it's really it's been it's been an 
a great opportunity because it, it, it's, it's forced me over the years to, to, to open up to new, new relationships outside of my relationships outside of my community. And, and I've met some wonderful people, uh, along the way. And, and so, you know, I do think, although these, these, t- you know, TV projects and film projects that I've been in, involved with, you know, people ask me about authenticity and why is this happening and why is that happening? You know, and, and why do they do this and why do they do that? It's really not what I'm interested in. It's really about those relationships uh, and people. And it's just, just an awesome experience to, you know, just to branch out and, and, and meet new people. And and sometimes you can change their opinions by just being real and and being honest about, about how you feel in life and, and, and share some of those experiences along the way. Um, you know, so for me, all these things that we've been talking about today, uh, my career, you know, my, you know, my lineage through my career, um, I, I, I look back in reflection and, you know, in retirement, so to speak, uh, at the age of 55. <laughs> and, and, and I just feel blessed. I, I feel like that, that I don't know that anybody's had uh, a better career than mine. I mean, I just feel like, uh, just you know humble but but just tremendous amount of uh gratitude you are and always have been one of the most uh humble people when you're talking about yourself and it is you know it's an interesting contrast when i watch you in class and i see how you really pour yourself into making people a better version of themselves as a as a trainer, and um, I know you said you're you're going into you know kind of a new horizon here, thinking about what you want to do, where you want to spend your time. Right now, you're enjoying hiking in the morning with your bride and being a dad, and because uh, you have a fairly young family, uh, and uh, I'm I'm really curious what what is your favorite part of your day? What is it that Sparks you to get up and grab life. Oh. Man, that that's a that's a deep question, and I think that uh, a lot of people in in uh, in my business, uh, especially uh, folks in the military, you know, when, when you you commit yourself to, uh, you know, law enforcement isn't a job; it, it, it's really a journey. It's it's a full time commitment. It's a lively. It's the way that you conduct yourself in your life, uh, and it. You, you know, we we always want to pretend that family comes first, but but when when the mission, uh, you know, when duty calls and, and you have a mission, uh, as a as a servant, so to speak, Kathy, you you give up a lot, and 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 in my in my case, you know, you know. I try not to have too many regrets, but, but quite frankly, you know, working in Los Angeles and, and just being in the game and the drive uh, consumed me along the way. And, and I wasn't the best father in terms of being physically or mentally present along the way. So well, to answer the question, you yeah. know, just, and just to cap it, to answer the question, my, the best time of my day now is having an opportunity because I, I do have a young one. <laughs> I have some older kids, but I do have a young one. She's, she's six. And just 
the opportunity to get up and, and spend time with her and, and see her every day and see those moments and and just, you know, respectfully step up into that leadership role. For her, you know, where I, I felt like I was a little bit deficient, uh, you know, along the way during my career. None so. of us ever feel like we're enough of a parent in this lifetime, but we got about two seconds to say goodbye. I just want to thank you, Mark, for dedicating your life and career as an exemplary leader for justice uh, and for those of us who follow you. And we love you. We love everybody listening today and hope you got a, a great, a great opportunity to learn from one of the best. So take care of yourself. Matt, any shout outs as we say goodbye? All right. Take care, everybody. Till next time. Mark, thank you, brother. We love you all. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times. We hope Dr. Kat and Captain Matt were able to help you create a plan or simply steer clear of the unknown with ways to overcome challenges in your own life. Until next time, be brilliant and stay fearless. Fearless.